Hello, and my name is Pete Rushmer, and I'm your host today of A Half Dozen Things podcast. A Half Dozen Things is a podcast for business owners just like you. Whether you're an underdog hungry for success, or you're already smashing it, but want to continue to level up, we are here each week for you to get insight and learning from the very best in the business. No fluff, no BS, and no self-proclaimed gurus talking about how easy business or life is. And the red light is rolling. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Half a Dozen Things. Um, you'll notice again that um, I'm flying solo. This is, the th- I think, the third one uh, in a little series that we put together for Half a Dozen Things, and my name's Mike Vickers. I'm a part, normally a part of the Fleet Geeks uh, up there. I'm normally a part of the, the uh, Fleet. I'm, I'm one of the geeks that appears on the Fleet Geek podcast. Uh, so go and check those podcasts out for those of you who are not familiar with that particular brand of podcast. Um, so um, as I say, I've done uh, I've done a couple of these already uh, in this series. Um, we looked at um, the how fleets can prepare for a greener future. I think no, no matter what our political allegiances or uh, views may be on on uh, the green agenda, I think it's uh, anybody in the in the fleet transport sector will know that uh, you know that that is that is going to be a feature of, of us going forward as an industry uh, and how best be prepared for it um, I've also done a, a, a podcast on uh, vulnerable road users um, which I think as, as uh, you know we all understand our responsibilities as operators of heavy goods vehicles and and where they fit in with a relationship with other road users and we sometimes you know come into conflict with those other road users so this is kind of following on from that one, really. Um, and what I was going to look at is uh, I, th- I thought about the, the title for this podcast and how to present it. Um, and what I don't want to do is present to you um, a sort of step by step guide to accident investigation. This is not particularly about how to investigate accidents. I just want to share with you six sort of top tips or top features of an accident investigation, things that you should or shouldn't do, rather than take you through the steps of accident investigation. Um, We should all investigate accidents as as transport operators. Not only should we investigate accidents, but we should investigate near misses because today's near misses, tomorrow's fatal road traffic collision. Heavy goods vehicles are big, by the very nature of the word, isn't it? Big, heavy things, they've got a lot of kinetic energy, Um, speed, is not normally a factor in in heavy goods vehicle accidents because of the weight as well. So, um, you know, what would appear to be a fairly sort of low speed near miss with a heavy goods vehicle uh, is only a fraction, only that far away from becoming a fatal uh, collision with maybe a pedestrian or a cyclist. So, um, you know, think about the opportunity that near misses give us. The near misses give us the opportunity to investigate uh, the causation of those uh, those accidents or those near misses uh, to prevent them becoming accidents in the future. So um, that's that's one thing to to get out of the way. This is not a guide on how to investigate accidents. Um, that is, of course, something we would be delighted to. Well, not delighted because it means there's been an accident. There, that's something we could definitely help you with um, as fleet people, uh, professionals moving. Forward, um, we've got a we've you know we've got a, an accident investigation course for especially designed for transport managers. Um, so this is not a not a step by step guide in how to investigate accidents, but it's, it's just some some hints and tips on, on on how to avoid 
some of the pitfalls of, of accident investigation. Now, I must have mentioned the word accident at least 20 times, if not more, already in this three and a half minutes that I've been uh, going. And you might be thinking, well, mate, Mike, you're a bit behind times here, pal. We don't talk about accidents anymore, do we? But um, we talk about collisions and, and we talk about... But the police themselves will not call them road traffic accidents. They're not called RTAs, they're called RTCs. Insurance companies will call them incidents. Um and what you know accident why has it gone out of fashion i don't know why accident the word accident has gone out of fashion um i guess um i've heard some various people somebody said to me the other day oh we don't use the word accident because that implies that there's nobody to blame what well, does it really what an accident merely means an unplanned or unforeseen event and i don't think we ever plan to have collisions or incidents do we it is an accident um and the reason why I'm sticking by my guns on this one as well is because that there is no definition in law, or certainly road transport law, there is no definition of an, an incident or a collision. The law only gives us a description of an accident, and that's the Road Traffic Act 1988, which describes to us the conditions that have existed for us to have been in an accident. Damage to property on or adjacent to the highway, uh, injury to uh, a, a, another person uh, other than the driver, uh, um, damage to another vehicle, uh, and damage or injury to an animal not carried. So and it's a, if anybody's ever been on the Transport Manager course or done an OLAT or a refresher, you'll know that there's, a, there's eight animals, essentially, that are, uh, eight types of animal that are, uh, are protected by the road traffic act in particular so um that's um that you know that there is a definition of an accident in in, in accordance with the road traffic act, uh, act there is not a definition of a collision that we can look at so that's why we still use the word accident anyway so i digress onwards and upwards then and i'm going to look at just give me these six um just key areas not that so this is not a guide to accident investigation this is just six key areas that i think that you should be considering when you're carrying out your own accident investigations. Um, just before we do that, though, bear in mind that I'm going to be mentioning this all the way through here. Blame and cause are two different things. Traditionally, we've always looked at accident investigation through the prism of apportioning blame. And that is because we're largely dealing with Either a, a, a criminal investigation or an investigation by uh, the, the you know the, the law enforcers, the police, Crown Prosecution Service, and of course by uh, insurance companies. So an insurance company is going to be wanting to look at uh, where do I get who is going to be financially liable for this uh, accident? Who are we going to be able to uh, call financially liable? Word of warning, insurance companies, um, they are very, um, you know, with an insurance company, it is it is only, um, you know, I'm sure people with insurance companies are, are very kind and very human and very, um, you know, don't want people to have accidents. Of course they don't. Um, but they do look at it as data and it is, it is purely and simply to them. It is data, it's calculated risk and it's risk factors and data and the money they pay out. It's, it's just... It's just numbers on a spreadsheet. And quite often, um, insurance companies will be very pragmatic in the way they approach liability. So an insurance company, for example, may accept liability 
but that doesn't necessarily mean your driver is to blame and vice versa. It just seems that's just sometimes that is the most pragmatic approach to take. Otherwise, you're going to be embroiled in court cases and, and claims and counterclaims and, and, the, and the like. So don't just take it that the insurance company have come to the conclusion that your driver is liable, therefore, or your, 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 they are liable even. Um, so therefore, your, your driver is to blame and, and of course, vice versa. And, and the same with police. The police are interested in one thing and one thing only, and that is, uh, you know, has, has a, an offence been committed? Um, and so has an offence been committed? And what is the likelihood of that offence uh, there being enough evidence to, to substantiate a, a conviction. So, you know, they, uh, you might have, if you've watched enough of these programmes, you'll know that they, uh, at various stages of an investigation, um, they will put tests in place to see if the evidence stacks up to going forward to the next step, which is a charge uh, for a, uh, you know, potential uh, looking for a conviction. So, they, you know, so they can be slightly slightly different when we're looking when we are looking as operators as a way of preventing a future uh, a reoccurrence so blame and cause are two uh, completely different things um so number one then is time or timeliness um and, and i guess actually I'm, I'm gonna be slightly counter to what i've just said there in terms of uh, the reasons why we're doing this um time time taken to get your accident report from your driver uh, and forwarded to your insurance companies. That makes a huge difference to uh, the claims process. Um, so the quicker that we can get those claims in or those reports in, those accident reports in, the quicker that our insurance companies can be dealing with these things. Now, if your driver, let's say, for example, has run into the back of Mrs. Miggins in a mini metro um, at a set of traffic lights or whatever, um, if we don't deal with that quickly, that report is given to our insurance companies quickly so that they can deal with the claim. Um, before you know where you are, Mrs. Miggins has contacted an accident, invest an accident uh, claims line and she's now driving around in a brand new Mercedes as a hire car at £300 a day. Um, her vehicle is being recovered and taken into uh, Mullina Park Ward, you know, if they still exist, in fact, the Rolls-Royce coach builders, you know, for, to have a mini metro repaired. Um, and the costs are just going to spiral out of all proportion. So normally your insurance company will have a way of dealing with that. They'll have a, a, an accident management uh, system in place whereby that they can recover Mrs. Mickens's car. They can get it to one of their approved body shops um, that they've got a predetermined level uh, of, of labor and parts they pay for and they'll get her in a higher car that's supplied at a sensible rate so that can really keep the costs down for them and of course the future costs for you so you can't afford to hang about if there's been an accident or an incident um get the report to your insurance company asap but but also on on top of that in a timely manner for yourself to start the investigation um because events are fresh in people's minds the longer you leave it, we, we, we build together something called a confirmation bias. So the longer we leave it to get a report from the driver or to interview the driver, the more that that incident will change in their perception because they're now building a scenario to fit an outcome rather than what actually happened. So um, the, the, the faster we can get that uh, in place, the better. Uh, number two, then. So number two, again, I say these are not these are not this is not how to investigate. Next, this is just things to remember. Um, evidence. 
gathering evidence. Um, your primary piece of evidence will be from the driver and from uh, the driver's account of what, what happened. Um, that's going to be important, but I'll come on to that in, in a bit about how to approach that conversation, because I think we need to be uh, very, very careful with how we have that conversation uh, with the drivers to get what, we, what we're after here is not, uh, we're, uh, you know, skirting around issues. We're after, we're after the truth. Um, but uh, let me come on to that in a minute. So the evidence then from um, the accident. So primary, it's going to be the driver's uh, statement. Secondary to that, we can corroborate that evidence with evidence from things like the tracking software, if we've got it. Um, and of course, the, the elephant in the room that I'm going to mention now, camera footage. So evidence from the dash cams, if you've got them fitted or evidence from the, the you know, lots and lots of fleets now have got 360 cameras and the, in, even in the internal camera um, in, in, the, in the cab as it were. So um, bear in mind um, what I would always recommend with, in terms of, and, and you know, you've seen this yourself. If you're scrolling through Facebook or Twitter or something and somebody's posted, a, 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 you know, I'm not talking just about road traffic collision, but all sorts of things like you know, fights in the street and stuff like that. Hi, it's Pete from Flagship Partners. We're proud to sponsor a Half Dozen Things podcast. Flagship Partners help their clients become safer, greener and greater through a range of consultancy and training services. We offer audits through to risk assessments, contracts through to support with managing your culture, all the way from mandatory training through to management training as well. So if you need any support, please do get in touch with Flagship Partners today. If you're looking and just you're, what you're seeing is a snapshot. You're only you're not seeing it in the wider context. So don't get drawn into viewing camera footage in the same way. Um, it's no good just watching the actual incident. Um, you know, you've got to watch before it. Get an understanding if there was any, you know, sort of anything that, that could give you some clues as to why that accident happened before the actual accident itself. So um, it may be that your vehicle, let's go back to the Mrs. Miggins situation. It may be that your vehicle had been following Mrs. Miggins for a number of miles um, and a number of minutes. Um, was there anything in there that was would lead you to believe that Mrs. Miggins' driving may not have been up to the standard of that expected of a normal, safe and competent driver? You know, um, did, you know, was there something there, a clue there as to, or maybe a clue in your own driver's driving style, demeanour, were they leaving their braking way too late? Have to go back half an hour and watch them in the traffic queue there. Were they leaving their braking a wee bit too late? So don't just look at it in that clip. Look at it in a wider context. Uh, but clearly camera footage does give you, um, you know, what they, what is it? What, what can't speak, can't lie. Um, it, it does give you some fantastic... Yeah, where, it, it, it boggles my mind to, to think where we would be without these sort of camera camera. Um, things these days um, an awful lot of drivers you know they may not they may feel uncomfortable with cameras everywhere you know particularly the ones in the cab but I can guarantee you I've seen it I've seen it work in the driver's favor many many more times than I've seen it work against the driver um, so gather your evidence clearly um, some other evidence that you need to, to look at from that is um, 
encourage your drivers and going back onto the camera thing encourage your drivers now we, we discourage them don't we from mobile phones of course we do but you know inevitably they will have them they don't leave them in locker you know no matter what you might think of you might have the the, the best sort of um mobile phone policy in the world whereby your drivers have to leave their camp their phones in lockers and things it, it does you know they're going to have a phone on them and this is where you want them to get their phone out um Contrary to what a lot of people believe, there is no expectation of privacy in a public place. So you can take photographs of who you like, when you like, as long as it's in a public place. You don't have to have people's permission. So get pictures, many pictures of the accident scene as you possibly can. Uh, the position of the vehicles, the weather conditions, the road conditions and of the, the people. Um, now, you've got to be a little bit careful. You know, whereas it's perfectly legal, but you have got to be a little bit careful when it comes to taking pictures. You won't want to be taking pictures of badly injured people. That would be distasteful and, and, and you know, not altogether unpleasant, wouldn't it? Or children for obvious reasons. But, you know, it, Mrs. Miggins, what you don't want is Mrs. Miggins to put a claim in for five other people or four other people's whiplash injuries when clearly Mrs. Miggins was the only person in the car. So if you take a picture of the inhabitants, that is nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with that at all. But more importantly, you want to take pictures of Mrs. Miggins's car and her damage or the damage on her car and of the road conditions and the, you know, any anything else that might that may that may come into it. So all that evidence stitched together then uh, will form a hope hopefully form a part of your um your uh, investigation. So we can now move forward into the kind of investigation phase. And another key feature of that would be to do it with an open mind. Um, it, it is amazing, isn't it, that if you and, and you think back, you've done this yourselves and you, you, you're, you're traveling partners. If you're driving with the other half, uh, you've all done it. You've come across a road traffic collision, not maybe not literally witnessed it, but you've you've come across the, you know, a, a, a road traffic collision somewhere on the road network. And immediately within seconds, you know, never mind going to policing college and learning how to become a, uh, a collision investigator or anything like that. But immediately within seconds, you've made your mind at what's happened straight away. You've made your mind up. Oh, look at that car. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Look at Mrs. Miggins's Metro. Look at that position of that lorry. Oh, you can see what's happened there. He's been driving too close. She's had to pull up at those pedestrian crossings and they're gone. That, that lorry's gone straight because he was following too close, too far. Immediately your mind is made up, isn't it? Um, and then what happens is that confirmation bias kicks in. And you start then building a picture according to what you believe happened rather than what actually happened. So number three, then, is approach it with a very open mind. You don't know what happened and uh, you, you you need to get to the bottom of it by, by looking at the facts, looking at the evidence, not by trying to fit your belief to to uh, to uh, trying to fit the evidence to your beliefs. Um, so it will then come to a point uh, where yeah, maybe this ties in a little bit more with number two. Um, you know, maybe you wouldn't leave it to number four. But um, number four, the top tip, though, for me would be approach the interview with the driver uh, with a bit of empathy and be careful of your choice of language. Remember, you're not looking for blame. Uh, you're looking for cause or causation. There will never be a single cause of a road traffic collision. A road traffic collision comes at the end of a series of a chain of events. 
uh, that lead up to it. The, the cause of the damage to Mrs. Miggins's metro is, is, is obvious. Um, and that is that your 44 ton truck is planted in its boot. So that's the direct cause of the accident and the damage to Mrs. Miggins's car and hopefully not the damage to Mrs. Miggins. But if she were to be damaged, that would have been as a direct result of this, this coming together of uh, two, two pieces, two, in, you know, two objects. Um, so there will be more than one indirect cause for that. There'll be several causation uh, factors. So we have to be careful with the language that we use in with the driver uh, or drivers, because we're trying to encourage them to be honest, not, you know, you, what you don't want them doing is thinking, right, how am I going to word this so that I don't get the blame? We want them to be honest. I was a bit tired. I'll tell you what, you know, these glasses, I've had them for a little while now, but I, I think I need, need to go and get my eyes tested or, um, I, you know, even if, even if they came to you and said, look, I'll tell you what, I was turning my radio over at the time and I um it's not yeah they're not gonna it's they're gonna you, you might be sat there thinking oh and earth's gonna admit to that you know uh, but what we're trying to foster out of them is this it's open in this honesty um and this uh, you, you know I, I've done a lot of work on accident investigations well I haven't done a lot of work and I've done a lot of reading on accident investigations in the airline industry in the, in the air and aviation and they have a no blame culture because what they're trying to do is prevent an accident happening again and that's some that, it's difficult. It's a trick. Um, but you really have got to use the right language um, in order to get the truth out of a driver, not by torturing them with thumbscrews, because that's apparently not allowed anymore. Um, but but trying to foster that sort of, you know, look, how do we stop this happening again? In fact, you could ask that as an open question, couldn't you? Because you may get answers in there and they may feel they may feel more open to talk um, if you've asked them that as an open question look, drive, how do you think we can prevent this sort of thing happening again? You know, what, what is it that we could do? Is there anything, you know, what would have stopped that accident happening this morning? And then you'd be surprised. You might get them to open up a little bit in terms of, you know, well, I've, oh, I was, you know, I've had a bit of a rough, you know, what, you know, we've, we've got a newborn baby and I'm not getting a great deal of sleep or, you know, I've been going through a rough time recently in my, my, my private life or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, you might start hearing then some, some of the of the underlying causes for for that particular coming together. Uh, so number five, I'm, I've sort of done this theme already, but let's let's get it in there as a as a sort of step number five or or, or idea number five is is to say look for the cause, not for the blame. Um, you're not trying to apportion blame. That's probably not your job in terms of um, you know the insurance. This may have already gone up to the insurance insurers, etc. Um, they're going to be looking not for blame, but for liability, who's financially liable. Um, it may be a police investigation. What you're looking for as a transport manager is to prevent it happening again. It's happened. You're not going to, you not nothing can undo that. Um, it's happened. It's history. But what you don't want is to get that phone call again. You know, the following week. Oh, hello, boss. Guess what? I've just run into the back of Mrs. Meggins again. You know, that's what you're trying to prevent. So, um, Again, I said it weren't going to, this wasn't going to be an instruction manual for accident investigation, but what you've got to, you may be aware of uh, the famous one they, they sort of bring out on lots of courses. It does work very well. And that's James Reason. Um, a guy called James Reason came up with this Swiss cheese model uh, for accident investigation. 
Uh, and that's if you can imagine a Swiss cheese, you know, with a cheese with all the holes in it. Um, and you've got this, you've sliced it up. Those holes don't line up. That's great. That 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 is not an accident happening. When all those holes line up, that's when an accident happening. So the slices are unsafe acts or conditions. So, um, you know, the driver, the weather conditions, it being a bit wet and slippery, um, the tyres on the vehicle were not quite, you know, they're a little bit getting towards their wear limits. Um, the brakes, you know, you know, they, they've been in, they've, they've been tested the last couple of times, but they're starting to deteriorate in terms of their ability to stop the vehicle. The driver's had a, a you know, a, a poor night, a rough night. The driver uh, was just tuning into Radio 2 and Popmasters at that particular time. So all of those things are the dangerous conditions or dangerous if all of those line up, you've got perfect storm then for an accident. If you can prevent one of those lining up by making an intervention somewhere along the line, then we potentially have prevented that accident from happening. So look for cause and not blame. Number six. Um, number six is a kind of conclusion. Um, and coming to a conclusion or trying to think of, uh, of, of not again, causations not blames how do we prevent this from happening you may have uh, read or heard um, a lot of people use uh, a system or a method called the five whys you know come up with five reasons why um, that that accident happened um, and that's important um, it doesn't fit in with this podcast because this is half a dozen things and five whys if it was six whys I would have gone with it but five whys you know why um, why did the driver not see Mrs. Miggins stop in time? Why was Mrs. Miggins driving erratically? That could have been the, uh, in there, couldn't it? Or why was she, you know, uh, well, Mrs. Miggins' brake lights not working? I mean, there you go, that's an interesting one. So Mrs. Miggins' brake lights are not working. Is Mrs. Miggins to blame for the accident? It's a, it's a causational factor. That certainly doesn't mean to say Mrs. Miggins was blamed for the accident. Your, your driver still ran to the back of her. They should, of course they should have been working. But they weren't. So it's just a, it's just one of those Swiss cheeses. If you know everything else falls into play, but Mrs. Miggins's brake lights weren't working, that that opens that Swiss cheese up, and the accident occurs. So um, think of the five whys. So Mrs. Bra Mrs. Miggins's brake lights weren't working. Mrs. Miggins was driving erratically. Your driver hadn't had a decent night's sleep, and the tires were like racing slicks. So that you, you know you, you build up your five whys. That's important. But I would say I would add another one to that, and I would say another step to that, and I would say um, five why nots. You know what what could have been done, five reasons why that wouldn't have happened or shouldn't have happened, rather than why it did happen. So there we are. So that's the six steps to um, not. I'll emphasise it's not an instruction manual for. Um, uh, we we can help with that if you want. Uh, it's not an instruction manual for accident investigation. It's just six key little things to remember. Um, timeliness of your reports or timeliness of getting the statements, gather the right evidence and, 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 and look at that evidence in the right context. Come to the, come to the investigation with an open mind. Don't try to fit in your, um, uh, you know, what you believe happened. Uh, you believe it happened. Uh, so therefore, let's fit the evidence around that. Um, Empathy and language when dealing with the driver, when interviewing the driver, well, not just the driver, with anybody involved uh, in it, have a little bit of empathy and understanding. Use the right language. To turn away from language like blame. Um, 
needs on number five look for the cause not the blame uh, and then number six conclude your accident investigations with something positive so you want to take something positive out of your accident investigations and the five whys or the five why nots is, is a good place to start for that anyway i hope you've enjoyed that i hope you found that useful um i certainly enjoyed uh, enjoyed going through that it's it, it's uh, it is a little bit of a um a hobby that seems a terrible thing to suggest that it might be a hobby investigating accidents but it's a it's a lifelong passion that i've had for um uh, in, in aircraft and uh, airline and the airlines industry has got an incredibly safe record uh, and we can only be envious of the way that they investigate accidents so if you ever do want to follow up on um accident investigation you want to get some good tips for accident investigation there isn't anything out there for for really. There's not a great deal out there um, in uh, the the uh, the great world wide web. But if you look for uh, accident investigations in terms of the airline industry, there are literally hours and hours and hours and hours of stuff. So uh, and that's certainly where I took my inspiration from for for this little bit. So uh, thank you very much, and it's been smashing wing with you, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. I really hope you loved today's episode. And if you did, please make sure you subscribe and listen out for future episodes too. Please do share it across your social media channels. We hope to reach more and help more people. If you want to find out more about me, my name's Pete Rushmer. You'll find me across any social media channel and my business, Flagship Partners. And we're your partners in success across your business. Thank you. See you again soon.